Welcome to Adventures of a 20-something podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of navigating life in your 20s. This is a podcast for all the other self-discoverers, all the other people in the pursuit of purpose, all the other 20-somethings not sure what the heck they want to do with their life. So let's figure it out together with your host, a 23-year-old in a continual transition state of life herself, Ariana Sweetnich. On this episode of Adventures of a 20-something, we'll speak to Avrilev, a 23-year-old with a mind well beyond his years. I met Avrilev at a park in San Francisco. He was walking around the park holding up a cardboard sign that said something like, share your story with me. So I called him over, we got to talking, and I knew he'd be a great guest for the podcast. And now, here's Avrilev. Hey everyone, welcome back to Adventures of a 20-something. I am here with a special guest that I met at the park one day. So, um, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, hi, I'm Avril Lev. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? Uh, I'm 23. Cool. And where are you currently residing? Uh, here, uh, in Oakland. California. Uh, California, yes. Cool, cool. Um, and what do you like to do for fun? Uh, well, read a okay. lot. Uh, got an entire bookshelf filled with unread books. Nice. Uh, to What's work your favorite through. book? Oh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, novel is Ender's Game. Uh, non-novel is probably Being and Nothingness. Cool. By Sartre. Um, Very nice. And then I also, as as you know, I, I like to walk through parks uh, and streets and BART cars. Uh, with signs. Yeah, so I was sitting in Dolores Park just enjoying the sunshine and I saw Avrilev come up with a sign or walk by with a sign and I like waved him over and I wanted to see what he wanted to talk about and what does your sign say again? Oh, I have a few different signs. Okay. So I think the day I met you Mm -hmm. my sign said collecting stories tell me yours Yes. and can I read your journal? And that was very like humans of New York kind of thing so I was like that sounds interesting let's hear what it's all about and then we just met that way, right? Yeah. And then he was super open about his story and how he got started just asking these big existential questions. So do you want to take the listeners through that journey of yours? Ah, uh, sure. Yeah, just um, how you started thinking about life on the grander scheme of things. Yeah, okay, this is, this is a long one. Yes. All right. Go for it. I will uh, probably like stop you in between if I have questions, but yeah, go sure. for it. Uh, I was my sophomore year of college, uh, where first semester was the worst four months of my life. Um, I was incredibly depressed. Uh, a few months prior, I had started smoking pot pretty heavily, and that was fun, and I kept going through my sophomore year. Um, I was overworked. I left the apartment at 9 a.m. and came back at 10 p.m. Um, I was kind of ostracized socially, both from my apartment and elsewhere, especially because like I would come back late and people were like done socializing for the night, so I didn't get to interact with people too much. Um, I had high standards for myself and I wasn't meeting them and was realizing I potentially wasn't capable of meeting them. Uh, the main- Where did those standards come from? Uh, two things. Mm-hmm. One was, I just have a high opinion of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also I think that my father 
was very insistent that I do very well because um, you know like you got to get good grades to get into a good college to get a good job to you know etc cetera, etc cetera. in order to have family so you don't end up homeless and die right <laughs> yeah uh, that idea you know yeah. I don't know if it was explicitly you know have a family right right so but yeah exactly okay um and I, I remember I was in 11th grade mm-hmm. and for whatever reason I was having some conversation with my parents and I said I would rather get B's and be happy than get A's and be miserable mm. and my dad kind of you know was like that's not the right way to be going about it all right so um, you're already thinking about you know happiness over society's idea of success yeah exactly okay. exactly cool. um yeah and so the thing I had thought I wanted to do since seventh grade which was computer science mm-hmm. uh, I was realizing yeah I didn't want to do it I wasn't really capable of doing it because I was taking the last two prereqs and I just didn't understand what was going on. Mm. Um, And then I smoked pot, like I mentioned, but to escape my feelings now rather than for like enjoyment, I Mm. smoked it to escape my feelings. Mm. And then I would smoke pot to escape the feelings I had about smoking pot to escape my feelings. Vicious cycle. Exactly. Just kind of downwards. I can Into relate, itself. for sure, for sure. I have my own use and abuse history of <laughs> alcohol and weed, yeah, we so, yeah. talked about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what changed? Ah, uh, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I attribute it to two things. Well, three things. One, I'm going to do this small, large, small. Uh, one small thing was like, little rewards to myself throughout the day. I realized I was kind of very stringent with myself. Like I wouldn't buy snacks because, you know, then I'd eat them and like I'd go through them and I wouldn't be able to prolong them. Um, Or, you know, spending an extra buck or two on a little treat or whatever I wouldn't normally do. Um, It was just like, it's okay to do it. You know, reward yourself. You know, you deserve it kind of thing. Um, Then a big thing was those standards that I held myself to, I kind of gave up, uh, which that was an incredibly big shift for me. That was like a core tenant of who I was. So like in a non-physical way, I really considered myself to have died when mm-hmm. I did that. Interesting. Um, yeah, I ended up changing my major to, I had, a, well, I had been trying to triple major initially, which is, you know, demonstrative of the kind of place I held myself to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been doing economics in, in that slew. Uh, and so I kept economics and then I switched, also added history, um, just because I love history and it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was just for me. And I, you know, that it was nice to, like I said, those kind of rewards to myself. Um, and then the last small thing was I realized like other people have a storm going on in their head and I want to, you know, I want to meet that person. Um, so the next semester, you know, I stayed in school. I had been considering transferring. Um, I ended up not transferring because my social situation started getting better. I had given up those standards that I had held myself to, which allowed me to ease a lot of the weight off my shoulders. So you kind of like let go of control and and trying to force things and then things came easier? Yeah. Yeah. Instead, uh, yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Um, and... You know, I, I kind of reached out to people more mm-hmm. um, in an early version of it's the same idea of what I'm doing with the signs mm-hmm. um, is just connect with people, break into their worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so in that first semester after, um, I would go around asking like friends and acquaintances what they rightfully considered like invasive questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as an effort to like know more about them, right? You know, get them to share their vulnerabilities. Um, and then following that semester, I went to Europe for a month to backpack and then I went to Israel for three weeks. Um, and so I got to, I was really put in a situation where I knew no one, but everyone was friendly because they were all also travelers. Right. Um, so I really got to find fulfillment in that kind of way of seeking connection because there were other people looking to do the same on, you know, as they were passing through. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how often do you do this sign thing now? Uh, frequently. I, I use it to fill the zero space. Zero space. Yes. Are you uncomfortable with the zero space? No, but it's boring. It's whatever. <laughs> it, the zero space is you stand on an elevator and you all face the front and you don't talk to each other. So in order to get out of your own headspace, you try to enter into other people's headspaces? Yeah. Okay. I like, th- I like that. Um there's a like one added level to it mm-hmm. before breaking into other people's worlds um, is like the neutrality of walking around with the signs. Mm-hmm. When I'm walking around with the signs, like I get to people watch. Mm-hmm. No one, people don't engage with me. I just get to enjoy like walking around knowing that, I don't know, people are reading the signs so and they're reacting to it. People don't often engage with you then? Out of the sheer number, like percentage-wise, the mm-hmm. number's probably low, but absolute numbers-wise, it's it's fairly large, I think. Okay. Yeah, people are, they like seeing it at the very least. Yeah, what's the most interesting person or story that you've heard that pops out That's to you? Uh, That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've heard things from medical emergency to misadventure mm-hmm. to love, loss, and redemption. Wow, so people uh, really open up to you. Yeah, yeah. The, I just had a fantastic experience the other day. Someone came up to me yesterday because they had seen me at the park earlier and we had talked. And they found it a very helpful conversation. Mm. And so they were able to move on from, you know, someone they, you know, they were in love with the person, they had broken up with them. Or the other person had broken up with them, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were able to, like take large steps in moving on after talking with me. And I, that felt real great that I could be a part of that. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of times part of the healing process is just talking about it rather than bottling up the feelings, sharing it with someone in a safe space. And you provided that safe space for that person. And so I think that's super valuable. And a lot of the times we feel that if we are vulnerable with others, it's just like not acceptable or kind of inappropriate. Um, because we're so entangled in our own lives that we don't make that time or space for other people. Right, and that's kind of, that's what I think we're missing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned this to you. I, I try to mention it to everyone I, I talk to with the signs. Um, is we all have that same essential human experience and we're all just variations on that same theme. Mm-hmm. No one can know how to survive it if they don't know how other people are surviving it. Right. Right. So. And before we used to live much more in like communities or um, I guess yeah, you small could say groupings. like small groupings, villages, small towns where everyone knew each other kind of thing. Now we live 
in huge cities or suburbs or places where you don't even know your neighbor. Um, yeah. And you don't take the time to stop and ask people how are they actually doing. Yeah, it's real. It's real tough to find those kinds of situations where you can even meet people in a way that it's socially acceptable mm. to ask that. Uh, you know, I walk around with the signs. I don't. The part of the fun of it is it's not socially acceptable. Right, right, or because uncommon. It, yeah, right, like people don't do it. So it's right. fun to like break those norms. Mm-hmm. Um, but there aren't too many situations where you can really just go naturally meet people and make new friends. Right, right. Um, where you can get to that point where you naturally feel comfortable discussing mm-hmm. all these intimate details of your life. Yeah. I think that they're coming out with more and more of those platforms now, like uh, Meetup or Couchsurfing. Yeah, they're definitely attempts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've used I've used both, both okay. of them. Okay. What do you What do you think of them compared to like just um... Couchsurfing? I'm a gigantic fan of. Cool. Um, I only couchsurfed a few times while I road tripped out here mm-hmm. um, when I first came out here. So I only used couchsurfing a few times, um, but it was a great experience. The first person I met uh, believed that. You know, people are just good people, right? Mm-hmm. People are good. And he wanted to teach his sons that, which is why he was doing couch surfing. He didn't know me. I had no reviews yet. Wow. But he was like, you know, I bet you're a good... Yeah, he was yeah. trusting. And he invited me into his house. He just, you know, this house is your house. He let me have the run of it, as wow. it were. Um, this was a guy who, like, didn't even lock his door. Wow. Because people are good. And that was a great experience. Where was that? That was Dallas. Okay. Yeah, and then the next one was just a cool dude. Mm-hmm. He bottled his own beer, learned a lot about brewing at high altitudes. Nice. Um, and the person after that, he was a great guy. We're still in touch. Uh, he actually knew my sister. Wow. Apparently, so small world. Yeah. Uh, it's just fun. Cool to make those connections. Yeah. Um, and so you moved fr- to Oakland from where? I'll put it this way. Mm-hmm. I went to Cal. Um, okay. I graduated in May of 2018. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in New York, so I went home for a month. Mm-hmm. I then spent a month in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. um, three months in Wisconsin, then two months traveling the country, and then back to the Bay. Okay. And what brought you back to the Bay? You liked the environment? You knew you had a job here? A few things. I, have, I know I have friends here. Mm-hmm. Um, who were also looking for places, so that was helpful. It's also like a guaranteed social situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted somewhere to like be stable for a while to do some writing because it's difficult to develop a writing routine when you're constantly moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good place for radical politics. So, do you consider yourself a writer? Uh, sometimes. Okay. It's it's tough because I the project isn't so overwhelming of what I do in a day that I feel like that's something I do. Okay. You know? What's the project? Uh, it's, a, it's a novel. It's, have you ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No, I haven't. I've heard ah, of it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. fantastic book. It's the same, I'm trying to write in that kind of humor. It's kind of, it's absurdist is what it is. Um, so the plot is like the luckiest man in the multiverse uh, goes on a journey um, from the end to the beginning. Mm. And then there's some philosophical underpinnings as well about time and will and luck and nothing. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you want to write a book like that? Or I inspired? am writing a book like that. Oh, you are writing a book like that. Very okay, cool. sorry. That was, yeah. The, You're already in the process of it. Yeah, I'm 
somewhat close to done. Wow. Um, I've written out huge chunks. Now I'm at the point where those huge chunks are getting divided into chapters and like filling out scenes. Mm. Um, the real difficult part is, part is all these chunks were written at different points uh, when I had a different idea of what the plot was going to be. Oh, so, so now I have to like run the new plot through all of them. Interesting. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> Did you always know you wanted to be a writer? Is that something? Um, I grew up in a very bookish family. Okay. Uh, like my mother's a professor. My dad is a rare book salesman. Mm. Um, so Rare book salesman? Yeah. Huh. Uh, that's only partial description but like do you know the photo of Einstein that his hair is all wild and he's got his tongue sticking out mm -hmm. we had like an original photo of that oh. in our house we had a first edition copy of Principia Mathematica by Newton oh, wow. um, we've had King James Bibles it's uh, a very scholar scholarly family it's yeah okay. yeah so um, I've always liked philosophy mm -hmm. and then when I was going through this depressive period, I was, you know, I was facing an existential crisis, both in terms of identity, meaning, and literal existence. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a friend tell me, oh, you should check out, you know, absurdism and gave me, you know, so I read the Wikipedia pages and I was curious. And then I just wanted to keep digging to figure out, to find answers to questions that had been bubbling. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just kept digging. Yeah. And did your parents talk to you like an adult as a child? I just feel like, how did you get so like mature and intellectual so quick um, as a twenty-three-year-old? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, are you an old? Do you feel like an old soul? I my when I was in Wisconsin, my coworkers called me grandpa. <laughs> um, I went to a psychiatrist when I was nineteen, and she told me I don't talk like a normal nineteen-year-old. Right, right, right. Um, I remember I was talking to someone online when I was 14, and they're like, ah, I'm going to guess you're at least 20. Wow. Um, yes, I've always talked fairly formally. Mm. Um, and I'm very I'm very introspective. Do you ever, like, let loose and have fun? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> what do you do for I, fun? I do the signs. Uh, I, I don't know, I hang out with friends. I play board games. Okay. What, what is let loose and have fun? Well, because, like, the signs, I feel like it's, like, a, a cool project where you're trying to find out the meaning of life through other people's I mean, meanings yeah, of lives. But I get I get a huge kick out of it. Okay. Like, I just, I do it laughing. Cool. Because I know I look ridiculous, and that's <laughs> part of the fun. Nice. Yeah. Very brave of you. I feel like it takes a lot of guts to just be able to talk to strangers like that. I feel like it takes the opposite. Really? Yeah, it's, it's a total... It's not a stepping over of caring. It's a total lack of caring. Oh. Because I see so many people, right, that it's easy to get out of my own head of what I think mm. is happening, right? Because in the end, you don't know if people are actually judging you or not. You can only know what you think that they think. Right. Um, and so it's just fun. I get to, like, lots of people break eye contact some people don't look at me. Mm. Some people just kind of smile. Some people start conversations in their own little groups. Some people call me over. Wow. Um, and so you get the whole slew of people ignoring you to people, you know, thanking you for it. Right, right, right. And so there's nothing to step over. It's just people. Mm -hmm. Right? It's the same as walking around in normal life. Mm. Um, I always encourage people to give it a try because it's so easy mm. and it's so rewarding. And, but that step, I know, is very difficult. 
So you asked me about my journal. That was part of your sign, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is it about a person's journal that you uh, that you find interesting? Personal uh, journals are very personal, mm-hmm. um, intimate, and uncensored. Mm. Uh, the fact that some people are uncomfortable sharing their journal with anyone, even those closest to them, I think is revealing for how, you know, even though it's an external object Mm -hmm. and an externalization of our internal being, um, it's very much part of our internal core. Right. Um, That's the person I want to talk to. Mm. That's the person that you're going to see reflected and repeating throughout the entire human population. Mm. Um, Everyone, you know, knows some level of that thing of soul, your soul withering away. Mm. of feeling empty, of feeling lonely, of feeling love, of feeling loss, of feeling jubilation and humiliation. The whole gambit of human emotion and experience, we're all going through it. So when you asked me to share my journal, I told you I couldn't because it felt like a violation to my inner self. Because when I'm writing my journal, I'm like talking to myself. It's like a conversation with myself. And it's as if I were talking with my best friend. Like I would never reveal intimate conversations that I have with a best friend to someone else. Um, And so I didn't want to break that trust. But you don't feel that way about your journal, right? You're so open. You let me read your journal like the first time we met. Yeah. So what is different about that situation for you in your opinion? We're social creatures. Mm -hmm. Uh, We exist through others. I don't, I don't see any point in hiding ourselves. Um, I know not people aren't comfortable with totally revealing themselves. What if there's like embarrassing themselves. things? Wait, like... like what? <laughs> what impossible embarrassing thing could you have done that not literally tons of other people have done? That's true. I guess. And even, even if it's something wildly unique, right? They still know what it's like to be embarrassed. So sure, they'll laugh. But you're going to laugh at them when they tell you their embarrassing story. Yeah, I guess it's just self-consciousness. Like, this society is super, um, like, everyone judges everyone. And so I'm always trying to protect myself from getting judged by others, which I know is impossible because you can't help what other people think. But I've always struggled with that growing up. Have you, did you struggle with that? Oh, certainly. I had and still have a very deep-seated um need to be liked Mm. um i like when i was a kid i would sometimes and you know in play or pretend or whatever um i would frequently like kill myself off be like ah you guys come home and you find me dead because i was i wanted to see other people's reactions to my absence interesting um on my first day of preschool Mm -hmm. i was like having a breakdown because i was bringing a backpack and I didn't know if the other kids would also be bringing a backpack oh. or not, and I wanted to fit in. Right. Um, but something that's occurred to me is that level of judgment that your experience, that one experiences, isn't an individualized judgment. It's not this person right here in the blue shirt thinks this about me. It's like people in general mm-hmm. think this about people in general don't exist. 
Right. That's the thing, right? That's like true. they exist in our heads, which gives them a certain power and a reality in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But like when you go talk to people, that general people don't exist. It's that one person. Right. 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 And so and that's I, what helps break it down. Yeah. And everyone just ultimately wants to feel a sense of belonging. Yeah. No one wants to deep down not belong, I think. So yeah, it's something that ties us together. Um, I've been meaning to ask you, what is um, your name? Like, where does your name come from? It's very unique. Yeah, my name is Avir Lev, mm-hmm. um, which it's Hebrew. Um, in the book of Zechariah, who's a prophet, there's a line, Avir Yaakov, which means the strength of Jacob. Um, it, it comes from the word Abir, with a B, not a V, um, but for uh, literary and poetic reasons, it becomes a veer. Okay. Um, Are you Jewish? I am Jewish, yeah. Oh, okay. Very cool. Um, and so then, lev means heart. So, uh, avir lev means strong heart. Okay, cool. Um, which I try to live up to. Very nice. And one more question before I let you go. Um, I try to ask everyone this. What advice would you give your 19-year-old about to turn 20 self? So think back to when you're about to enter your 20s. Um, what kind of advice do you think your 19-year-old self would have benefited from? Uh, they were going to get fucked. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the year, the age of 19 for me was a year of like destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, when I was 20, that was kind of a self-recreation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when all of the initial stuff happened. Yeah, yeah. The questioning, the meaning of life. Yeah, moments. definitely. Okay. Um, so what advice would you give to that person? I don't know what advice would work. <laughs> um, this is, I, I feel kind of silly saying this, but it's accurate. Is why I don't go to therapy or feel that therapy would be helpful for me personally, because I am a very introspective person. So, like, I know the slew of advice that people generally give. Um, and, I, you know, I have been to therapy in the past, and I have, but I haven't found it helpful. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought again. It's a great uh, the question was, what advice would you give you? Yeah, guys? oh, yeah, so yes. back, even back then, mm-hmm. um, I was the same. And, like, yes, I know that I should do X, Y, or Z, but that's not the issue, or that's... Um, so I, I wouldn't have taken advice. Okay. Interesting response. Very thoughtful from a very um, intellectual individual. <laughs> this has been a cool conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. A big thank you to Avrilev for joining us on Adventures of a 20-something. And thank you to all the listeners as well. If you like this episode, you can rate it and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you're using. Keep listening in for more fun with some 20-somethings to come. Thank you.